Hey everyone, Jawad here with Hit The Apex Podcast. How is everyone doing this week? Hope everyone's well. If you're me, <laughs> you're still on a bit of a high, a bit of a buzz from the weekend, and that's because the wait's over. Not just Daniel Ricciardo winning his first race since um, 2018, but McLaren winning for the first time since 2012, and it was hard not to get a bit emotional. I'll be, I'll be a bit honest there. You know, 2012 Brazil Brazilian Grand Prix, the last time that uh, Jensen Button was able to take the win for the team. Who would have thought that we would have had to wait to 2021 for um, the next one, you know? Like, <clears throat> I pulled out for the first time on the, if you guys remember, those Rocket Red victory shirts that they had when McLaren had the Vodafone branding. Because um, I was like, oh, you know, I'll only wear these for, for wins. So I did throughout, you know, 2011, 2012. Um uh, because that was when I was able to finally purchase one, and then not knowing that I would be wearing it for the last time at the end of 2012, and, you know, was even though the branding is all completely different now and everything, I was like, you know what, that's the tradition, you know, when McLaren win, you've got to wear the Rocket Red, you know, so... I pulled it out, put that on for the first time in how many years? You know, I've looked at it several times over the years thinking, when am I going to be able to put it on? When am I going to be able to put it on? But, you know, just to finally be able to do it now is is, is amazing. So really happy with that. Um, it was expected, I guess you could say, this year that, you know, they might sneak through for a win. You know, it was a bit bit terrifying when Ferrari were in a position to to win a few races this year but they weren't able to pull it off we saw Alpine win this year as well there in Hungary though I guess it was a race circumstance as was this but you've got to say McLaren did win on pace as well you know they they looked strong all weekend um you know right from practice and qualifying and then helped in the sprint qualifying as well and then you know even during the race which I'll get to in a little bit uh what what happened you know I think if if Max Verstappen was was still in it till the end it would have um you know Dan would have been able to hold him off so great stuff um for those who aren't McLaren fans I'm sure you know you would have loved to have seen this result too seen this result too because it's the first time We've seen Ricardo win since 2018 and leaving the Red Bull team as well. So I think, you know, moving to, to McLaren would have felt like, you know, he's been vindicated with this with this result. So great race for them. Also, interestingly as well, that McLaren, this was their first 1-2 finish since 2010. You know, back uh, Canada, I think it was, where Hamilton and Button finished 1-2. and two. They were the good old days, I think, you know, when, when you had Hamilton and Button together at the team. They were doing so well. And no, I'm not going to say it's because Hamilton left everything went downhill. It, it was a combination of other things too, which um, you've heard me talk about previously many times, I'm sure. So yeah, Monza, the Italian Grand Prix. Well, there wasn't much to say about the sprint, unfortunately, except for all the bad things. And, you know, there was plenty of people saying a lot of bad things about it. Uh, other than, you know, the only thing I'll say is that it was not very eventful. 
apart from Pierre Gasly there on the first lap, uh, making contact with one of the McLarens. It might have been Ricardo at the uh, turn one chicane and then went off uh, when his front wing tucked under itself there at Curva Grande. So not very good for him. Not a good weekend in general for Alpha Tauri, as they will get to in a little bit. But um, it was Valtteri Bottas who was fastest on Friday during qualifying. Was able to take pole position as well during the sprint. Uh, but unfortunately, he had a power unit penalty looming over, uh, looming over his head. So he was supposed to start from the back of the grid. Uh, regardless of what happened in the sprint. So, you know, for him to get pole and to, to win that, get the three extra points would have been just, you know, just nice for him, I guess. And it was good to see Bottas a bit more cheery this weekend. I don't know what, what a cheery Finn looks like, but, you know, not, not as down as not as down in the dumps as we've seen him on previous weekends. The main highlight, though, from this race was that it was the next chapter or another flashpoint in the championship battle between Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton there at the Redifilio chicane on lap 26 which I'll get to in a bit when we get there but um, yeah we had Max effectively starting from pole with Bottas out with the penalty Daniel Ricciardo joining him on the front row Lando Norris up there and Lewis Hamilton there in fourth he lost some positions during the sprint race so that was not good um, for him it was bit of a messy weekend for Hamilton uh, just not on the pace when it came to being with his teammate Bottas either he dropped down the order and um, that was that then before the start of the race, you had Alpha Tauri cars in trouble. Yuki Sonoda, unfortunately, with some kind of brakes problem or hydraulics problem, didn't even start the race. They had to actually wheel him off the grid um, before the formation lap and into the garage. And with the way that the mechanics were working on the car, it was not looking likely that he was going to get out there. While Gasly, I think, a few laps into the race, actually came in and retired. So, And they put a new power unit in that car as well overnight after the sprint. So I guess they just want to save some miles on there without um, having him out there fighting in traffic and potentially risking further damage. But, you know, it would have been a good race to see how Gasly would have gone because he, he was quick again this weekend. And, you know, he was the winner last year which we know, you know, we're not looking at last year's race anymore. We've got this year's race to think about. But, you know, for the home team in AlphaTauri, it was a bit disappointing that neither cars were able to uh, contest the race. So as far as the start's concerned, well, Dan, he just nailed it. Uh, going into the Redifilio chicane, haven't seen him race like this for, for such a long time, especially at the front. You know, he's been doing quite well in the midfield especially the years that he was in Renault. He kind of struggled earlier this year with McLaren, particularly in qualifying. But, you know, just being at the front, you know, being able to fight with his old mate Max again. We saw Lewis get ahead of Lando Norris as well. And then there was chaos. You know, we got to the Della Roggia chicane where there was a bit of contact between Max and Lewis initially. Um, I actually forgot about this until, you know, because the, the second time that they met in the race was a lot more chaotic so they actually did make contact there on the first lap um, which allowed Lando to get back ahead of Lewis then further behind you had some chaos there with Antonio Giovinazzi who again had a great qualifying was able to stay in the top 10 during the sprint uh, like he did there at uh, Zandvoort a week ago 
though he ended up cutting the chicane and rejoined very, very unsafely. He hit one of the Ferraris, I think it was Carlos Sainz, um, and Charles Leclerc came on the radio and was accusing of him accusing him of being a kamikaze. But for Giovinazzi, you know, if, especially if he's fighting for his career to stay in F1, that would not have done him any wonders at all. So unfortunately for him, I think he finished down in 13th or whatever, um, just ahead of his teammate Robert Kubitzer again. So not the greatest day for, for old Antonio. So, you know, and, and if you believe the rumors to be true about who will be taking that second seat at Alfa Romeo, well, you know, it's it's not going to be Giovinazzi, that's for sure. Um, sounding like it will be Guan Yu Zhou, which again, not the guy I would have picked, but you know, this is F1 and sometimes money talks. Anyway, back to the race. Uh, we had the uh, battle going on there between Lewis and Lando. You had Dan leading Max as well, so there was a bit of a train forming at the front. Um, two separate trains with those guys there. You had Valtteri Bottas on a mission coming from the back of the field as well. Uh, how would he go, especially because he was on the hard tyres as well, while the rest of the, the top runners started on the mediums? Um you know, there was a moment there where, you know, Bottas thought he might be in contention for the win. <laughs> I'll get to that in a sec. Uh, McLaren pulling the strategy trigger on lap 23 to bring in the leader. Max followed, but this is where Max's race kind of unraveled. It was a very slow stop, you know, and they make such a song and dance about Red Bull having the fastest pit stop this year. Well, that was one of the slowest pit stops of this year. It doesn't beat the... Uh, the 43-hour one that uh, Bottas had in Monaco, but 11 seconds would have felt like an eternity. And with Red Bull uh, putting him back into the pack down in 10th, uh, Hamilton would have thought he could capitalise on this. He came in on lap 26 and ended up having a slowish stop too, about four seconds. And no one would have thought that both these guys would have then come out sharing the same piece of track. So... Hamilton exits the pits, you've got Max steaming down the straight going into the chicane on the outside, sometimes two can go into one, other times no, um, and yeah, you know, what we what we saw was uh, the Red Bull pretty much mounting the Mercedes, um, and I say that in the most respectful way as well, so glad no one was hurt from this, and you know, we've, there's there's memes going around about you know tire marks or on Lewis's head or Max holding his uh, pole position award Pirelli tire with an impression of Lewis's face or whatever. Again, you know, the halo did its job and uh, uh, kept the drivers safe. But yeah, you know, Max pretty much launching across the sausage curb on the inside of turn two. What is turn two basically? and uh, collecting the Mercedes, and, you know, the stewards after the race, they ruled that Max was predominantly to blame, gave him a three-place grid penalty for the next race in Russia, and also two points, uh, penalty points of his license as well. It was hard, because initially, when I watched it, it was, it felt like a racing incident to me, you know, same, I think, goes for Silverstone. But the stewards, you know, they really wanted to to proportion blame, as they did at Silverstone, and hand out a penalty, which in this instance they found Max to be the one who um, was predominantly to blame. And that's the words that they used in the uh, 
the official release from from the uh, stewards office or race control and as i've said you know throughout the week i feel like max should have pulled out you know he he could have still passed hamilton later on in the lap um and you know it it would have worked in his favor you know both drivers should not have been in that position to begin with especially max you know and that's you know down to the team team sport in that instance letting him letting him down there but also i do feel like it might have been a moment of rage from max as well like we we heard him on the radio immediately after the pit stop and he was absolutely livid he was furious and then going into um once you know the crash had happened um and you know the team radio in to check if he's okay he just you know the way he uh, responded saying you know that's what you get for not giving me space or whatever um the way he got out of the car and you know didn't even go in to check if if Hamilton was okay, you know, seemed to have gone down with a lot of people the wrong way as well. Um, so it's easy to say, you know, that oh he he you know he needs to control himself, yada yada yada. But in those moments, it, I mean, as a human being, I can imagine it would be so difficult where you've had your race ruined because of a pit stop. Then you meet your your championship rival, you know, on track who lets. I'm sure Silverstone will be fresh in Max's mind, you know, and he's like, yeah, you're going to give me that spot, mate, or whatever, and then Hamilton obviously is not going to yield either. Not that Hamilton could have yielded in, in that situation. He was on the he was on the inside or going towards the inside of the corner. Max could have easily just aborted and then had to do the, the weird zigzag runoff to rejoin going over to, to the third corner. But... Yeah, you know, the whole moment of rage thing, you, you can argue these guys are professional athletes, you know, they, they shouldn't have brain snaps like that, but it happens. It happens no matter what, you know. So, um, yeah, you know, you could, I will say that, you know, the blame is predominantly in Max's favour, but at the same time, I would have left it as a racing incident, you know, it's it's a difficult one um where do you stop them racing you know that that would have been racing too but at the end of the day like you know they shouldn't have been on the track together at the same time in that moment especially after the pit stop so and also despite the fact that you know max has been you know further penalized or whatever with the with a grid penalty which let's be fair three place grid penalty is nothing compared to you know a five or a ten place and red bull if they wanted to they could you know change the power unit on max's car as well come russia uh now i just lost my train of thought <laughs> oh my god i, I love this um, you know thinking about it all week uh and we're here we are talking about it and i end up losing my train of thought yes that's that's what it is and no i'm not going to cut this out because this is what i do um both drivers lost points it's not like you know it favored one driver or the other in terms of the championship or the other driver got to go on and score 25 points or whatever you know, Max still scored more points than Lewis because he got the points there on the Saturday sprint. So the gap is out to five points now in the championship. But, you know, possibly in Russia it might swing to, to Hamilton's favour. But, you know, 
in the immediate race, you know, none of the drivers benefited in terms of the championship with the points staying still. So, safety car came out after that, of course. Uh, it offered free pit stops for the likes of uh, Leclerc, for, for Sergio Perez. Bottas as well coming in from the rear. Uh, Lando ended up falling behind Leclerc, unfortunately, but when the safety car came back in, uh, was quick to dispatch him. Bottas as well on the medium tyres was so quick. He scythed past the Ferraris real quick, although ended up getting stuck behind Checo, which is, you know, the next phase of the race. Uh, Checo, unfortunately, got into a bit of trouble cutting through the Della De Rogia chicane to make a pass on Leclerc. He didn't end up handing the position back. So I'm surprised that Red Bull didn't get onto this sooner and said, hey, mate, you got to hand the position back, you know, and surely Checo would have had the chance to get him later on. So that didn't happen, and a five-second penalty was laid down to him. Bottas then bogs down behind Perez, which, you know, cuts short the charge at the McLarens, which was a big sigh of relief because, I, I got, as I said before, I got a bit worried there that that Bottas might have actually won the race, as the Mercedes do generally coming back from the grid. And to be fair as well, there was a bit of criticism, and, you know, Mark can put my hand up and, and, and I asked the question as well immediately after the race that, you know... Despite the great drive that Bottas put in and, you know, could could have warranted driver of the day, should he have won that race? And if it was Hamilton, would he have won, you know, and got past Perez and not got bogged down like he did? You know, that Bottas doesn't seem to have that, you know, same killer instinct or whatever. But that's unfair, I think. And it's not like he's fighting for his future at Mercedes anyway, so it doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, he's the one who scored the points for the team on the across the whole weekend, you know, and finishing on the podium because of the Checo penalty as well. Um, and that's what's helping him in the Constructors' Championship, whereas uh, <laughs> it didn't help Red Bull, that's for sure. And unfortunately, you know, for, for Checo, I mean, he did a pretty good job, I think, this weekend. He was pretty, pretty, uh, you know, critical of, of the sprint race and everything as well. But, yeah, he just needs to, to qualify a bit better. I I, I have... I love Checo, I think he's a great racer, but yeah, just if he qualifies a bit better, I think he, he's in with a chance to, to get some more podiums. I mean, he's only had the two so far this season. Still dropping to fifth with the penalty, he's still got a decent point salvage for the weekend, so not bad considering that Max wasn't able to finish. We had... As well, between the McLarens, Lando initially asking about getting past Dan because he thought he was um, faster, but then he said something uh, about the, you know, getting the best team result, you know, like something along the lines of what Damon Hill said on the radio to, to Eddie Jordan back in 98, I think, when, when Jordan won the Belgian Grand Prix. So, you know, it's it was a great effort by both of them and, you know, Lando's time will come, you know, and he, I think, took it, <coughs> sorry, I think he took the result very well, and it's still his best result ever in Formula 1 with, with second, he took it very maturely, and Lando's time will definitely come, for Dan, you know, that's that's why he gets paid the big bucks, you know, that's why he's a eight-time race winner now, is because he goes out there and can win the races, so, you know, great job for both the guys, I, yeah, you know, it's so good to actually be able to wear <laughs> wear my papaya kit out on on Monday, um, going for a walk, 
and feel a sense of pride. Not just for podium, but for a 1-2 finish. Elsewhere in the race, so you had Lance Stroll escaping penalty, I guess, for speeding under the, I think it was a safety car or the pit lane. He kept seventh at the end of the day. Uh, Ferraris, both in the points, normally what would be a good day for them, you know, to, to finish fourth and sixth, but because he had McLaren, their chief rivals in the Constructors' Championship, finishing one and two, I think it, it kind of over shadowed that and I think you know compared to last year as well where both Ferraris didn't even finish the race they were they did a better job this year at their home race as well uh eighth you had Fernando Alonso um both Alpines in the points and you didn't even notice because of all the drama going on elsewhere in the race you didn't even notice George Russell finishing ninth as well so making point scoring quite a regular thing now for Williams and uh, what three ra- three and four races now? Three in the last four races, he scored points, so that's been really good. Um, not the same story for his teammate, unfortunately, Nicholas Latifi. He had a great sprint to outqualify his teammate, and you know that's going to be the weird stat where you know Russell hadn't been outqualified by Williams' teammate in his whole career so far, and he's been outqualified by Latifi there because of the um sprint race but because sprint quite counts as qualifying it uh is a stat that will hold so there you go the the teammates got one up on george unfortunately but the race unfortunately saw him miss out on another point i think latifi's just done an amazing job uh this year i'm glad that you know the critics have kind of calmed down on him a little bit you know a lot of people just digging into him because of uh you know he's pay driver he brings funding blah 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 you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do next year, especially if the Williams is uh, a regular midfield contender as well. Um, it's going to be exciting and for him to go up against Albon as well, you know, the guy coming into the team, whereas Latifi will be the established uh uh, entity within that squad so that'll be great to see you had a bit of an inter-team squabble with the Haas cars again becoming a pain in the Haas hey? um, Mazepin DNF uh, <laughs> just more more troubles between him and Mick Schumacher unfortunately and you know as I talked about last time it's it's becoming laughable and what what happened to Mazepin I think you know he also got into trouble. I, I can't even remember what he got into trouble for. He's he's just getting into trouble so much now. But um, yeah, Mick ended up finishing 15th and last. Um, Mazepin had to retire through the race. Good riddance. You know, it's his home race next time out. What are they going to do? Are they going to, you know, execute like... Uh, not execute, <laughs> no, no, there's no executing going on. I was going to say like execute some kind of weird strategy to get him up into the points or like they they secretly swap his car for a ferrari paint a, uh, the ferrari in Haas colors <laughs> and let him race and see if he could actually get a good result with that I'm, I'm sure he'll bin the car um doing that as well but uh yeah nothing really to write home about for the Haas team which looks like it's gonna stay the same next year as well with uh, if if guan yu Zhou does go over to Alfa Romeo would mean that Schumacher and Mazepin will be together for a second year, so that will be interesting to see too. 
Other little bits to tidy up, while Ricardo also took faster slap on the last lap of the race too to get that extra point. So much needed for him, considering he's a way off his uh, his teammate there in the the championship. Although the win did boost him a bit, up to eighty three points now, just behind the Ferrari. So strong second half of the season is really going to get him back into contention for top five finish potentially. Um, not top five, sorry, I should say. <laughs> More like a top six finish if he can uh, get closer to Leclerc. Uh, Constructors-wise as well, great to see McLaren, obviously, with the win, pull out a bit ahead of Ferrari. Alpine looking good there in front of Alpha Tauri, but um, it's Aston Martin that's the concern. And as I said, yeah, you know, Stroll was able to score some points on the day, but Seb, unfortunately, had a pretty bad day, you know, Ocon, I didn't mention Esteban Ocon, he was quite lucky to actually hang on to 10th, you know, and he wasn't given any kind of penalty for uh, pushing Seb off, you know, Seb and then also came to a run-in or had some kind of run-in there with uh, Mick Schumacher as well, so not a very good day for Seb, Um, I, you know, just hearing about, you know, some reports going around and especially the Italian press trying to build up something about, you know, Seb possibly even uh, being done with F1 at the end of this year, he's going to leave Aston Martin, like, you know, it wouldn't, it would be a bit of a shock, but I don't think it's likely, I mean, he's committed to a multi-year deal, he wants to see this team succeed and everything, I don't think he's just going to quit at the end of this year, it's it's not a very Seb thing to do, you know, it's just, uh, unless he's had a red-hot crack like he did at Ferrari and then, you know, spend a year kicking stones and then uh, go on to the next thing that he wants to do. Anyway, so, as I said, five points in the championship between Max and Lewis, 18 points in the Constructors' Championship between Mercedes and Red Bull, That's not going to really be helped unless we see more consistency from the Red Bull side in terms of Checo's results, and I know he can do it, so it's not really me bashing him, I'm just like, come on mate, you know, we're counting on you, (laughs) the the Red Bull fans are counting on you to get that Constructors' Championship, Um, and it'll be interesting to see whether... Mercedes will take an engine penalty with Hamilton in, in Sochi, because it's it's going to happen, both of them, you know, it's going to happen sooner or later, so whether the engine was damaged or the power unit was damaged after the crash there in Monza, uh, will they take it in Sochi, and if Max and Red Bull decide to take it, you know, because they've got that three-place grid penalty anyway, then, you know, that's that's them, you know, they're going to have an interesting race, but it would be interesting if both of them end up doing it, you know, to, to see how they race back in, but if, if one does, then I don't think the other will, to try and capitalise on what they can as a result. Other thoughts on the crash, well, you know, I've pretty much said what I've needed to, um, I know it's a pretty divisive um topic at the moment especially considering both these guys are fighting in the championship and both have pretty pretty fierce and loyal uh, fan bases so you know it's it's kind of difficult when you don't want to get involved in you know politics and abuse more so you know and I hope that you know there is no abuse hurled towards any particular drivers because that's that's un, um, uncalled for at all uh, what's interesting though is you know the like 
people like Jackie Stewart, the the great Sir Jackie Stewart coming out and, you know, talking about the disrespect of, of Max not going up to check on Lewis after the crash. Although, need I remind everyone what, what George Russell did there in um, Imola, where he actually went out and gave Valtteri Bottas's helmet a bit of a whack, you know, himself. So, you know... I guess, yeah, it is disrespectful. It's disrespectful in both instances, but it's also that, not that I condone rage or anger or anything like that, but, you know, Damon Hill as well said that, you know, there's a lack of self-control there (laughs) from that crash. So, you know, it's just the heat of the moment. You know, people love it for for drama and everything. But at the end of the day, we we as much as we want an exciting championship, we want it to be safe as well, and hope that we don't see anything more dangerous happen like that. But as far as there being more flashpoints are concerned, well, that is that's going to be that's going to be interesting to see where and when it'll happen next, because it's definitely going to happen. So. Yeah, what do we got, like seven or eight races to go, depending on whether we have a race in Brazil and in Mexico, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens there, so that wraps up F1, that wraps up this last uh, triple header, um, well, not the last triple header of the season, but you know, we've we've been on the road for three weeks, or the, the championship has, I've been stuck here and at home, you know, only being able to go to work um, and, and come back home. That's pretty much it. Uh, so it'll be nice to have a bit of a break this weekend as well. And considering, you know, it's a triple header, we only had two races run in those three weeks, given the uh, horror show that was Belgium. So moving it on and, you know, kind of ending the podcast uh, for this week, it's the Supercars Championship. We've had a bit of a... Uh, Sorry, we've had a bit of an update in terms of how the end of the season is going to look like, and that looks like this, in that the Gold Coast 500 race was cancelled, and a festival of, of racing, pretty much, has been announced for Mount Panorama on the dates, I think, November the 30th to December the 5th. It will see the Bathurst 1000 again take its place as the final race of this championship season amongst a smorgasbord of other racing so you know this the story around this was um finding a date for the Bathurst 1000 at the end of the year but there was a bit of a um squabble between supercars the Bathurst Regional Council and the ARG the Australian Racing Group who um, own the rights to a bunch of categories and also this thing called the Bathurst International which always takes place at the uh, end of the year towards that um, you know latter part of the year and you know they've got amazing an amazing roster of uh, categories under their belt such as the Touring Car um, sorry TCR Championship S5000 the GT World Challenge Australia as well to name a few um, and they we're going to have their event there in uh, at the end of the year. And the rules or, you know, their agreement stipulated that there can't be another major event in Bathurst. And this is a council thing, another major event in Bathurst within the same, within two weeks of each other or whatever. So they couldn't do the supercars or the Bathurst International and then supercars straight after because, you know, Bathurst, of course, are public roads and everything like that as well. So... Good to see the ARG 
and supercars and the regional council of course come to this agreement to actually put everything on in the same week so the hence the six day festival at Bathurst so not only we're going to have supercars but they got super two Carrera Cup the the Porsches they've got Toyota 86 racing series TCR TCM which is touring car masters S5000 the GT World Challenge the Super Utes and the Trans Am Championship so that's like six categories I think um, and this is great, you know, this is fantastic, you know, especially for people, uh, locals who've been craving motorsport, going into a local event uh, here in Australia. It's been a while, obviously, since the last Supercars event that we had at Townsville. Uh, no idea or no timeline as to when we might get the next round. So regardless of, of Bathurst and everything in terms of Supercars, we still need to have another minimum four rounds before we can actually declare this a championship in terms of satisfying the broadcast arrangements. What's that going to look like? Well, you know, they, they're so keen to get some races underway at Sydney Motorsport Park, um, especially now where governments, the state governments and federal governments have ditched the idea of reaching zero COVID cases and, you know, looking at reaching vaccine, vaccination targets as well as a, as a means to get everything back up and running. Um, I'm sure they're going to have some kind of policy there for, for fans hoping to attend trackside that they've got to be fully vaccinated and everything or whether they implement, you know, mandatory COVID testing as well as a condition of entry. Whatever they can do to, to, to be able to open up uh, racing to the fans again because if you're going to have a festival at Bathurst and Mount Panorama then surely you've got to have fans there so my only qualm is I'll probably not be able to make it up there you know for, for that time depending on uh, what the situation is between traveling interstate and all and you know just 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 life in general like a, this sounds like a, a once in a lifetime kind of event but um, who knows what is going to happen between now and then, you know, this is, this is all good and well on paper, but, you know, there could be something that obviously denies this from happening, even though it is, you know, three months away now, it's, geez, three months till Christmas, pretty much, yeah, that, that's, that's it, so good on them for working that out, I'm sure this is some kind of, uh, given the fact that supercars, um, or the, the commercial people behind supercars, or the commercial rights holders, or whatever you, whatever they're called, uh, you know, have basically given exclusivity rights to the Australian Racing Group and a bunch of other shareholders or investors, uh, exclusive rights to buy a majority stake in the championship. So, you know, maybe this is something that they, uh, a sweetener to try and get that so... Supercars will be changing hands, I think, end of this year or next year, something like that. I honestly haven't followed it as closely as did uh, F1's transition from, you know, CVC over to Liberty Media because it obviously made a big impact and positive impact on that sport, whereas Supercars, it just, I don't know, they're at a bit of a crossroads. I love it, you know, I love it, but they need to get with the times a little bit too, um... You know, the entertainment factor is important as well, but what about the future, you know, and, and relevance and, and all that sort of thing? So it's it's a lot of hard questions. And the way the whole Gen 3 thing has been um, 
uh, handled as well. I think, yeah, it's it's just a bit it's a bit off putting. Anyway, we still love it. We still can't wait to see when they come back. Uh, silly season news. Well, I think it was shortly after I. Uh, stop recording last week's episode there was uh, something floating around about Nick Perkat potentially leaving BJR at the end of this season which has actually come to foot um, and that's despite uh, them agreeing an extension on his contract earlier this season um, apparently Perkat just woke up and decided he needed a change and good on him for doing that because there seems like there could be a plum seat there at Walkinshaw and Dreddy United uh, next to Chas Mostert to make a strong pairing there like I suggested last week I thought they might be hoping to get Lee Holdsworth in that car that currently Bryce Fullwood's in but getting someone like Perkat obviously who you know is is a formula uh, a former <laughs> Walkinshaw uh, and when they were holding racing team as well uh, protege um, he won Bathurst, of course, with Garth Tander, youngest guy to do so back then, and also was racing in a like a third car under a different racing entitlements contract uh, for, for, I think, James Rosenberg Racing or whatever that was run out of the Walkinshaw stable. So, you know, for him to return to, to the Clayton base and to Walkinshaw would be great. And he and Chaz together, I'm sure, can put that team up the uh, up the pit lane and you know help them fight the likes of triple eight and shelby power racing so yeah that kind of uh adds to the bombshell that andre heimgartner dropped last week in terms of uh the supercar silly season uh heimgartner subsequently been confirmed there at bjr so hopefully now with the rest of the seats there at Brad Jones Racing, it means Todd Hazelwood gets to stay on um, with Macaulay Jones as well. And obviously Jack Smith is going to stay put because they own his car or he, the Smith family own his car. But elsewhere, still, there's plenty of um, intrigue and I'll recap that for you as well. Uh, la, 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 just <laughs> give us a sec. Um I had this all written down, so that's why, like a little, like a little matrix, as I said last week. So yeah, you know, you've still got Matt Stone Racing who need to confirm what's going on there. We know what's going on, Kelly Grove. As long as Matthew Payne gets that um, super license, he should be there alongside David Reynolds. Um, Tickford, I guess, is the next big one, obviously, because Cameron Waters and Thomas Randall are confirmed or. Waters is all but confirmed. Randall definitely confirmed for next year. But you guys got guys like Courtney, who, you know, basically has got to wait for Boost Mobile to commit to be able to stay on there. Jack LeBrock, the incumbent as well, uh, needs some better results, I guess, in the second part of the season when we do get up and running. Whereas, you know, you've got someone like Bryce Fullwood obviously waiting and he brings a lot of funding as well. So, you know, that's what the next phase of the silly season is going to look like. See what goes on at Tickford and I'm sure the rest of the seats will be able to work themselves out. Other than that, thank you for joining me this week. Um, check out if you haven't already uh, F1 Grid Talk podcast I was actually on the Italian Grand Prix race review edition I'll put the link in the description again for you guys to check out great fun really enjoying uh, podcasting with some other people at the moment um, uh, they're a great bunch of uh, guys and gals 
hardworking team. They do so well with their website and their podcast to be able to do three, uh, three a week or something like that. You know, that's got such a great team. So definitely check them out. Uh, F1 Grid Talk and uh, F1 Chronicle. So yeah, put the link in the description. Enjoy. Other than that, I know MotoGP's on this weekend and, and IndyCar, you know, if you get around to watching it, go for it. Uh, MotoGP, very interesting. Glad to see Pecco Bagnaia win his first uh, race in MotoGP. It feels like a long time. It was a long time coming, you know, for the Ducati rider out of the VR46 Academy. I know the Schumacher documentaries on Netflix as well, so I'll definitely get around to checking it out some point on the weekend. Um... Uh, Otherwise, yeah, I'm off to get my Pfizer tomorrow. So if I end up being uh, feeling useless, and that's what I'm going to do is just sit and watch some movies over the weekend and maybe play some more Red Dead Redemption 2. All right, but other than that, all the links will be in the description. Check them out. Um, and I will be back to hopefully preview the Russian Grand Prix next week. Bye for now.